The Indian Relay Podcast is made possible by the Institute of Tribal Learning at Central Wyoming College. The Institute coordinates American Indian services through continued education on historical and contemporary issues. CWC proudly serves the two nations of the Wind River Reservation, and through the Institute, they seek to provide positive influences to educate students, along with tribal and non-tribal community members on American Indian issues on a local and national scale. To support the Institute and its mission, or to learn more more, email Ivan Posey, iposey at cwc.edu. That's I-P-O-S-E-Y at cwc.edu. This is Cody Beers with the Wyoming Department of Transportation. YDOT is proud to help bring you the Indian Relay podcast and to partner with the Eastern Shoshone and Northern Arapaho tribes. Our goal is to help keep people safe on our local highways. Did you know that seatbelts are the single most effective traffic safety device for preventing death and injury? Simply wearing your seatbelt in a car reduces your risk of death in an accident by up to 45% and by 60% in a pickup truck. Let's celebrate life. Buckle up for life. Here on the Wind River Indian Reservation, we have stories to tell, history to share, and wisdom to give. On this show, we share the well-roundedness of our people. In that process, we break the mold placed on us and reclaim our identity, Northern Arapaho and Eastern Shoshone. We are two nations and one community. This is Indian Relay, a Wind River Indian Reservation podcast. Haba, Hello once again, all my relatives. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Indian Relay. It's been a really great journey so far, and I want to thank all of our supporters for riding along with us. Before we get into the episode, I want to say thank you to County 10 for being the backbone of this project. I want to say thank you to Porters here in Riverton, Wyoming, for providing the Porters 10-cast studio. And I also want to send a shout-out to Noah Pocotis and JG Pocotis, a.k.a. Just James, for the intro and the outro music that they provided for us. Ah, this is Ivan Posey here today and helping Jockahe uh, get a story. So uh, welcome this afternoon, and uh, I think we got a good one today. Mm-hmm. So our guest today is George Abeda, and George Abeda belongs to the Eastern Shoshone Tribe. He got his bachelor's from the University of Wyoming in elementary with an emphasis in early childhood. He also got his Master's of Teaching from Grand Canyon University. George Abeda is currently a teacher and a coach at Fort Washakie School, where he has coached for over 28 years. He has coached basketball, cross-country, wrestling, and football. He is currently the Chief Executive Officer at the Professional Powwow Association. He is also on the Eastern Shoshone Entertainment Committee, and he travels Canada and the United States as a fancy feather dancer. Zan Sikandave. Good mm. afternoon. It's good to be with you gentlemen here for this uh, Indian Relay. It's a privilege and an honor. Uh, the old ones tell us that whenever we have the opportunity to share any of our gifts, any of our stories, that we should do that with the people here. So thank you for the invitation. Um, Dhamma Appa, Heavenly Father, Creator, has looked upon me in a good way. And so whenever I have the opportunity to share my life story, um, I like to do that. So thank you for the invitation. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming. Very excited for this episode, especially because a lot of what you will have to say has been impacted a lot this summer. And I guess we could start off talking about, first of all, 28 years of coaching. That's amazing. Congrats on that. Thank you. Um, and as we know, a lot of fall sports have been canceled, which is very unfortunate for a lot of our students, for a lot of our community that attending that attend those events. So how has that sort of impacted you and how have you dealt with that news? Well, it's devastating. Uh, it started last spring, actually, mm. um, because I am a, a track coach. And, um, you know, we were so excited. We were already looking at WRCAA conference records for mm. throwers and jumpers and runners. And, you know, you're going to go after this record and you're going to get this school record. You're going to get this conference record, mm. you know, and you're going to get ready for high school. And then it all came tumbling down. You know, I mean, some of the kids were headed to to state to watch the high school basketball yeah. for three A. Oh, what a heartbreaker! Yeah, it was close. You know, two <laughs> A's got theirs over with just by the skin of their teeth. Oh, and man, what a no. great back to back for boys and girls at Wyoming mm -hmm. Indian High School. What a great celebration! Um, you all know that our people have a long standing tradition with Warrior Games. That's where it all began. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a way of life. You know, it wasn't a sport. It was a way of life. Our warriors would run for miles and miles and miles, whether it was for danger or whether it was for a hunting expedition, for survival, for warning. And they could do that. They could run for 20 miles straight in a full sprint. To me, that's miraculous. Yeah. But it, and the cool thing is, you know, it's been passed down from generation to generation. The runners that we have today have that same blood in their veins and that's why they're such great runners and that's why it's so exciting to be a yeah. coach to see those kids come up to know their parents and to know their grandparents and their great great grandparents and it just comes down through the generation and it's exciting to know you know so and so snagging so and so they're gonna have some pretty awesome athletes you know and i'm i'm a coach i'm a coach licking my chops okay here they come you know it's like it's fun to coach them, but you really don't don't really have to do a whole lot of coaching mm -hmm. because they're they're natural, huh. you know. And, and that goes for basketball, football, mm -hmm. wrestling, track. We've had some phenomenal athletes. So to me, it's just so exciting to be a coach for that aspect, just to see those kids come up, to see where they go. We've had mm -hmm. some all state players, and we've had some collegiate athletes come through our our ranks. So that's mm. to me, it's just so rewarding and so fulfilling. It's just an awesome experience to be a part of that. Yeah. And, and some of that, George, is um, going back. You said it was your alma mater. It's mine, too. You know, we're just elementary school in Afawashki. But I know I'd like to get a little background on uh, your family, your upraising, and kind of what uh, propelled you and who was your biggest supporter to get you to get your education and to give back to the community and some of those types of uh, efforts, positive efforts that you've done. Definitely. Well, I'm also a Bannock. I'm Shoshone Bannock. Um, my mother is a Teton. That c they come from Idaho. And um, my mother and my father, my father's Cornelius Abeda, mm -hmm. and he, uh, he has Isleta Pueblo descent. And he was actually uh, one of the first Native American athletes at Riverton High School. 
he um, they have the river, the R blanket that goes to the outstanding athlete at Riverton High School, and and my father uh, was awarded the R blanket in 1958. Wow, that's a, a people didn't know. You know, they some yeah. people say, well, so and so was the first one, and so was well. 1958 is quite a while ago, and um, you know, with just the racial tension and the racial background, uh, a lot of our native kids didn't really participate sure. back in the day. Um, so that was something of interest. But my my father was um, going to school uh, for the School of Mines in Reno, and uh, Reno is a nice place. Yeah. And they they debated whether we wanted to they wanted to raise the family in Reno. And then, uh, of course, my mom has family in Idaho. Well, maybe we could raise our family there in Pocatello or in Blackfoot. And then uh, my mother had roots here. And she said, well, you know, this is the homeland. This is where my people are. This is where I'm enrolled. And this is where I want to raise my children. And so, to me, there's no place on earth like the Wind River. Yes. You know, it's a, it's a proud and happy place. Uh, we haven't... The media hasn't done our our homeland a very good justice. Mm-hmm. Mm, you see yeah. some of the articles and some of the news stories, even some of the movies, and uh, people really don't know. And uh, the sad thing is, some of our own people believe those things, mm-hmm. and we know that it's the greatest place on earth. Yes. It's where that sacred water flows, and it's where that powerful medicine grows, and there's just no place like it. And so my mother said, yeah, we're going to raise our kids on the Wind River. And uh, I will be eternally grateful for her wisdom and for her inspiration mm-hmm. to raise us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to the Head Start there at Fort Washke. Uh, my mother also had a daycare center. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the working parents sent their kids to the daycare. And that's where a lot of this um, began. Some of you know Owen St. Clair. Well, when I was in the playroom riding my my <laughs> plastic horse with wheels on it, Owen was in the crib <laughs> sucking on his bottle. So that, that's a funny story. I always I always give him a hard time. You remind you know. him of that. Huh? Oh yeah, because he's a, you know two or three time you know all state in mm-hmm. various sports, football, mm-hmm. track, basketball, and. You know, this big studly guy. Well, you were just in the crib, and I was in the playroom riding horses. <laughs> but, that's, you know, that's that's how far back it goes mm-hmm. to the daycare days and then to the Head Start and then, mm-hmm. of course, to Fort Washakie Elementary. Um, my parents got a divorce when I was actually in, in the fifth grade. And so in sixth grade, I went to Spokane. I actually went to a different school every year after that. And so I was all over the place. Uh, when I was just a, an infant, just like three months old, I got an infection in my left eye, and I almost went blind. But my mother got the very, very best doctor, mm. and he operated, did surgery. He was an ophthalmologist, and I thought, well, I'm going to pay back to that to that profession. Yes. Someday mm. I'm going to be an ophthalmologist. I'm going to save somebody's eyeball too. <laughs> um, but because I went to a different school every year, every year, my science and math background was shot full of holes. Mm. Um Fifth grade, I was at Fort Washke. Sixth grade, I was in uh, Spokane, Roosevelt Elementary. Seventh grade, I went to Starrett in Lander. Eighth grade, I went back to Fort Washakie School. Uh, somehow, I ended up valedictorian. Uh, Some of the stories we have to tell is crazy. How could that guy be valedictorian 
and be sent to the principal's office three <laughs> times. I don't know. <laughs> we were just crazy and having fun. Um, ninth grade, I went uh, on the Indian placement program through the LDS Church okay. to Idaho Falls, Idaho. And then, of course, uh, 10th grade, sophomore year, went to Ferris High School in Spokane, Washington. My junior year, came back to Wyoming Indian High School. Uh, was very fortunate, very lucky, just a matter of timing to be on that 50-win streak, mm -hmm. the winning as a basketball team in the history mm -hmm. of, of Wyoming. Um, and then uh, I graduated in, at Ferris High School in Spokane, okay. Washington. And then uh, luck would have it. I I actually wanted to go to BYU, Brigham Young University. That was just my goal forever. And uh, I applied through general admissions and was denied. Because oh. <laughs> I had a, in high school, I think I had like a 3.2 grade point average. Of course, everybody that goes to BYU has a 4.0. Oh, but I was supposed to apply through the Native Studies program. Okay. And because they were recruiting native students, mm. but I went through general admission and was denied. Um, the native studies program got a hold of my application and they said, you know, congratulations, would love to have you here. You know, you were student body president. You were the Wind River Youth Council president. Um, you were you went to Boys State. You did all these activities. You were in choir. You were in, you know, you're an athlete. We want you here. Um Definitely come to BYU. I'm sorry, I was already admitted to the University of Wyoming. Wow. I'm a cowboy. I'm not gonna be a cougar. <laughs> you had your chance. Yeah. Huh? You had your chance. You <laughs> yeah. passed on me. And luck would have it. The first year I was at the University of Wyoming was Project Native. Okay. It was a scholarship program for any natives going into education or the ancillary fields. And uh, that was the first year. And it came with uh, tuition, mm -hmm. paid your books, uh, $1,000 a month stipend for living uh -huh. expenses. And when I graduated, that program ended. So all wow. four luck years would have it. Yeah, luck would have wow. it. It yeah. started when I got there, and it ended when I left. Wow. The uh, timing was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, immaculate timing. <laughs> Just yeah. the luck of the draw. Mm. But I was, I, you know, got through there. I was so excited to come back home, you know, and we always say that. Let's go back home and help our people. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't always work out that way, you know. Just with just the complication, different dynamics, different families, different people in different positions, it doesn't always work out that way. And um, sometimes you're really not welcome. Mm -hmm. But as luck would have it, I, I was I was welcomed. But something happened. I applied at Fort Washke School. And, of course, my mother has friends everywhere, you mm -hmm. know. And she had a friend of a friend of a friend who's on the school board, <laughs> right? So she, she had, a, you know, she had communications, you know. She said, well, my son has applied at Fort Washke School, District 21. Um, where's his application? Mm -hmm. uh, his application, we don't have his application. So I was actually denied in the first place oh, because geez. somebody had, you know, buried my application Dang. in some yeah. black hole. Oh, man. So a friend of a friend, you know, got it, got a hold of that application and said, there's no reason why we shouldn't have him. He's one of our own. Mm -hmm. So exactly. uh, let's give him a try. The school board voted 
uh, unanimously to hire me at Fort Washkie School, where I've been ever since. And it's just been phenomenal. It's been a dream job. There's no place I'd rather be. And I, and I think with your generation too, uh, George, is that was kind of the start of a lot more tribal members becoming teachers in our community. Because when I went to school, it was way 10 years before you was there, Fort Washkie, I think we only had one um, tribal member that was a teacher, and that was Marilyn Holt. Right. That was the only one. Right. The admin, the teachers, everybody was non non tribal except for one, you know. But with you, when you came back and you see the influx of more tribal people in our reservation schools, which is what we needed for a long time. Definitely, yeah. There's you know, there's no one that can relate to a a native student mm-hmm. like a native teacher. Yeah. True. And so uh, we connect. We know their background. Yes. We know their characteristics we know their qualities Mm -hmm. we know how to relate to them we know how to connect with them and um we've had some awesome results yes okay so let's get down to the unfortunate fact (laughs) (laughs) so due to the covid pandemic all summer every powwow everywhere has been canceled yeah it was it was heartbreaking you know that's our livelihood. Mm-hmm. You know, the old ones tell us that through our songs and through our dances, we bring strength and happiness to the people. Mm-hmm. It's a celebration of life. Mm-hmm. The very, very first powwows began when our warriors would go to battle or when they would go on a hunt and they would return to the people after Dhamma Appa, Heavenly Father, Creator, had given them sustenance, bounty, strength, and fortitude. Mm-hmm. And returned to the people with those blessings. They called the warriors who went to battle and returned to the people, the mystic warriors. And they were especially powerful and looked upon in a good way because Creator had his hand over them. Took them through a challenge, took them through a journey, took them through hardships and returned them to the people. And brought with them blessings of strength, blessings of wisdom. They would tell their stories through their dance. Those were the first powwows, and we share them today. You know, our young warriors go out there, and they, they, they dance. They tell of their story of a hunt or of a battle, and some of them tell the stories of long ago. You know, one of the most uh, famous battles in this area was the Battle of Crowheart Butte, mm-hmm. you know, and yes. where Washakie fought with Big Robber. Mm-hmm. The Crows wanted this land. And the government promised them this land. Mm-hmm. So they was, there was some confusion there mm. with territorial boundaries sure. and hunting grounds. So the crows come down and the, the Shoshones and, of course, the Bannocks joined them and said, you're not welcome here anymore. You know, we have this treaty. The U.S. government said we can settle this land. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they fought. And the crows, you know, they said, we're going we're gonna to fight you. And, of course, the crows were known for their large numbers and their large stature. The men were big. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the Shoshones, they were also known for their battles Mm -hmm. and for their skills. Boy, those small Shoshones, they were short, but they were powerful. (laughs) (laughs) And they had the sheephorn bow. Mm -hmm. You know, they said the sheephorn bow was, was small. It was small. They could put it on their back, and they could shoot with it off the horse. Mm-hmm. They say that thing was so powerful, it could put an arrow right through a buffalo. That's yeah. how powerful that sheephorn bow wow. was. 
you know, that's some powerful medicine. It is. Mm-hmm. And there's stories of, of the warriors going on fast and getting that powerful medicine in the Dinwoody area. Mm-hmm. So the, the Shoshones, they were known for their prowess. And, you know, how else could we, could we stand off the Lakota, the Arapaho, the Crow, and the Blackfeet? Mm-hmm. How could we keep them out of the, the greatest place on earth? The Yellowstone area, the Jackson Hole area, the Wind River area, the Bighorn area. How could we keep them out unless we were powerful warriors, right? Mm. So that's how it all began. And, uh, you know, we're at the Battle of Crow Heart Butte, going back and forth, back and forth. They say two days, no tribe could get an edge. Three days. Mm -hmm. Some say as many as five days. After five days, you're losing some men. So Washke put up the white flag and he rode out. And he met Big Robber, and he said, look, we're killing each other off. If we keep going, we're going we're gonna to dwindle down. The Blackfeet will come in, or the Arapaho will come in, and they'll take this hunting ground. He said, I challenge you, one-on-one. I win. You guys go back. Go back north, and don't come back here. You win. You take the Wind River for your hunting grounds forever as long as the water continues to flow. And of course we know when the dust, when that dust settled, Washakie had big robber's heart on a lance. Yes. And he gave that war cry. I always give that war cry to my students. And, <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> it's a good war cry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, that story comes down through, through our family. Because we are Washakie descendants. Yes. Yes. Um, my mother was um, Teton. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Teton married Grandma Marie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Grandma Marie was a Washakie. And her dad was George Washakie, who I'm named after. Mm. Um, I had George's on both sides. My yeah. other grandpa was George Abeda. And then we had George Washakie on the other side. And, of course, George Washakie was, was uh, the son of Chief Washakie. So, and when, when Chief Washakie was on his deathbed, his granddaughter-in-law, Grandma Josie, yes. took care of him, gave him water, gave him medicine. So that old man, they call him the old man. In our family, he's known as the old man. Mm. He's not Chief Washakie. Mm-hmm. No, he was just the old man. That's what everybody called him, the old man. And he would tell Grandma Josie the stories. Grandma Josie raised my mother. So the same hands that fed Washakie, the great warrior, Mm. the chief of three centuries, the 1700s, the 1800s, died in 1900. This great warrior, this great U.S. historical figure, the Mm. same hands that fed him, fed my mother. Mm. And those stories came down. Wow. So we know the stories. They say the horse that Washakie rode was a gift from Chief Joseph. It was an Appaloosa. And they say that horse was so strong Mm. and so sure-footed and so quick. That's how he won. That's how Mm. he beat Big Robber. You know, you get behind your enemy, you got him. Mm -hmm. So that horse was whipping around, whipping around. There was a bunch of dust. And, Mm -hmm. of course, when the dust settled, Washakie was victorious. We've been here ever since. Mm. And we had these great hunting grounds, that great water. Mm. The great medicine, these prayer places, the ancestral burial grounds. There's no place we'd rather be. Yeah. This is the homeland. It's powerful and it's beautiful. 
I remember going down to a meeting in UW when they was uh, going to put the design of the Chief Washke on the warrior on the horse. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the same horse you're talking about. Yeah. But Chuck was there, Chuck Washke, your uncle, and he was referring to him as the old man. Mm-hmm. Now I understand. Yeah. You know, because you say something, he said, well, such and such about the old man. But he was talking about Chief Washke. Definitely. That's interesting. I wouldn't know that till just now. Yeah. If you go to YouTube and you Google Georgia Beta, that's one of the videos. Oh, it's the a dedication okay. of the Washakie. It's the Battle of Two Hearts. Yeah, down. It's yeah. a huge monument. You've probably seen it out in front of Washakie Cafeteria, Washakie Hall, mm-hmm. Washakie yeah. Center. Right on it's Grand there, isn't beautiful. it? Beautiful. Yeah. It's right mm-hmm. on Grand. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just awesome. There's no, I, that's my favorite sculpture. On the planet, <laughs> it is so awesome. Dave McGarry did such a phenomenal job. He paid attention to every detail. Detail, yes. If you look at the leggings on Washakie, those are the same leggings that are on display at the Shoshone, Eastern Shoshone Culture Center. Um, Fort Washakie School mm-hmm. and the state of Wyoming have a joint venture, the only museum in the whole country that was a joint venture. You were on the council mm-hmm. yes. when you guys approved that. Yes. So it's it's just great. It's phenomenal. The story that we have, all of the stories of Washakie and our warriors and our mm-hmm. people to be in this land and yes. to, for generations, for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. The um, Another historical fact that a lot of people don't know, the highest alpine village is right here in the Wind Rivers. And those are the, you know, those are the, our ancestors, mm-hmm. the sheep eaters, yes. you know, the mountain Shoshones. So it's a lot of stories, mm. a lot of stories. But back to powwow. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was I think, uh, you know, you talked about your mom's adorum, and, you know, your whole family has been involved with powwows. I think you're the most one that's in the front there, but, you know, your sisters dance, and, you know, so yeah. you, you was raised in that Oh, form. definitely. Yeah, I wasn't the best dancer when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> my sister, Ann. She was a phenomenal fancy dancer. And, of course, she went to Brigham Young University, and she picked up the hoop dance, and she's uh, competed at the World uh, Hoop Dance Competition at the Heard Museum in Phoenix, Arizona, several times. And since she was a crafty veteran of the trade, they invited her back to be a judge. And uh, so she was the one. She was the the awesome powwow dancer when we were kids. the, we we all loaded up and went down to Albuquerque. Sure. You know, back in the day, Albuquerque wasn't the gathering of nations. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Albuquerque was the Indian National Finals. Okay. Remember that? Yes, I do. And so the rodeo, they had basketball tournaments, and they had a big powwow. And she was just a little girl, and there was must have been 100 fancy shawlers, and she actually placed uh. this little girl from Fort Washke, Wyoming, you know, made it on the big stage with all the champions. You know, and that was that was phenomenal because we didn't travel a whole lot when we were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's called they call them the powwow professionals. Yes, they go to all the powwows all over. Mm-hmm. My kids became powwow professionals, and I became a powwow professional. But when I was a kid, we weren't powwow professionals. We would just go to two or three powwows a year. Sure. But my sister Anne was was a natural. You know, so that was pretty awesome, and we all danced. Um, my mother had a, a buckskin dress, mm-hmm. and she wore that dress uh, in the the uh, Miss Indian America okay. pageant. 
Miss Indian America pageant was in Sheridan, yes. and it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, she was voted Miss Congeniality. Okay. I think it was in 1959. And because she was such a bright star in mm-hmm. that pageant, uh, she was recruited to Cheyenne to be to give tours to okay. the guests. And uh, because she was a, a Washakie descendant and because she had a buckskin dress. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the people loved that. They would come from all over sure. to tour the state capital and, and to learn about the great state of Wyoming, the equality state, <laughs> you know. And, and so my mother had that opportunity. And, uh, of course, she graduated uh, from Sheridan College. Sure. And to be a college graduate, you know, back, back in the then, 50s yeah. and 60s was, was a big accomplishment. And so education was important, and she mm-hmm. passed that on to us. Yes. And then, of course, her love for the culture was passed on to us. She worked for Jerry Greaves. Yes. Who had the, the trading post there, Richard Greaves Trading Post, um, back in the day. And she picked up a lot of different things. Yes. In fact, my, my first set of beadwork came from that trading post. People came from all over the country and traded mm. beadwork and traded wow. their yes. jewelry and, and all kinds of feather work, quill work. You remember Jerry's shop was yeah. immaculate. You know, it used to have a shop incredible. there, then on the other side, you used to have a cafe there for a while. Right. Yeah. But but there was, I mean, at the time, to, to have uh, inventory mm-hmm. of, of near a million dollars, you know, back in the 70s, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, her, her trading post was one of the best in the whole country. Mm-hmm. So my beadwork came from Oklahoma. Yes. And it was, it was just beautiful. You know, I would, I would go, when I was a kid, I would go into the shop and just stare at it, you know. And one day, my mom came home with that beadwork. Wow. Like, what? <laughs> you know, it was yeah. just a dream come true, you know. And, uh course you get a beadwork set like that then you can match the cloth work the applique and you can match the feather work and but that was the core that was the core of your outfit and with an outfit like that I could go anywhere and compete with anybody but the fact that she would put up that kind of money you know Mm. I'm getting choked (laughs) up (laughs) yeah that's amazing to to make sacrifices Mm -hmm. when uh you know, when, when times were tough, mm-hmm. you know, my dad was a mining engineer, but they got a divorce at the time and yeah. he was out of the picture. Mm. So for a single mother of six children, you know, to make that kind of sacrifice mm-hmm. to pay, you know, thousands of dollars for, for the best beadwork. Yes. What did that tell me? You know, that told me. <laughs> you're gonna yes. take your time it told me that she believed in me mm-hmm. yes mm. that's that nurturing spirit and motherhood and you know they you're very fortunate to have a mother like Zadora that's caring and kind and cares greatly for for people and especially her kids and you know and it shows um in your brothers and sisters your siblings how her teaching has affected you and passed on to you you know mm. and like i say you you're a great storyteller in terms of what she's taught you some of those stories 
and also about the, the band circuit and some of those types of things. I remember we going up to, we used to go up to Sheridan Indian Days every year in the 60s. I was little then, and uh, but used to have a big rodeo and a bunch of Indian camps there, and I don't think anything happens there anymore, but it used to be a big thing. You right. know, our relatives from Montana would come, and we all camped together there. We'd sometimes a couple of days we'd go watch the the dog or the monkey ride a sheep dog at the rodeo. <laughs> that was the big thing. And nice. Somehow they all, somebody always bought tomatoes, and we'd eat raw tomatoes. I don't eat them too much anymore after I got really sick. <laughs> <laughs> but you know those stories about oh, powwows sure. and those types of things? Definitely. It's about bringing people together. So my mother, um, when she made that sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know that that sent a direct statement that I've never mm-hmm. forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the best. You deserve the best. Yes. And because she believed in me and was willing to make that sacrifice, I believed it, one hundred percent. You know, like I say, you know, with the best beadwork, I could I could compete with the best, mm-hmm. and that's when I started to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was so lucky. Um, my last year in teens, you know, and it's crazy because I, I can't imagine, you know, handing the keys over to my kids, but my mom did. She trusted me that much. She's, wow. I could go anywhere, you know, I could, yes. she'd give me the key. I was, I was, you know, 16, 17 years old and she'd let me go anywhere to basketball tournaments at powwows. And, and, uh, that, that last year in teens, I, I was able to go undefeated, which was Damn. incredible. Wow. A nice springboard into the adult categories. And then, of course, I got to my first year in adults, I, I, I went cold turkey. <laughs> I got shut out every <laughs> single powwow. And I was like, something's not right here, man. I was undefeated last summer. <laughs> this summer, I can't get a look, you know. And so I, I started watching video. And back in the day, I mean, this is the 80s. (laughs) The video cameras are huge. (laughs) The big old box ones. The big old honka box. (laughs) Take my big old video camera and set it up. And I I had to watch myself. And I just watched hours and hours of video. And, um, of course, my mentor was Philip Caillou Jr., in my opinion, the best fancy dancer in the history of Palau. Oh, he was so quick and light on his feet. If you want to see Philip Caillou Jr., he's the uh, he has the butterfly style eagle bustles on American Indian Dance Theater. You can watch that on YouTube. Okay. You know the cool thing these days; these kids are spoiled these days. They just go to <laughs> YouTube and they can watch all kinds of powwow video. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, if we wanted powwow video, we had to get it ourselves, mm. or we would buy the videos. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, after I watched the video and watched all these big names, then I tweaked my style. And the very next summer, I, I started placing. Mm. Uh, I think I was like, I was 19. And one of my biggest accomplishments was actually a third place finish. Uh-huh. And the reason why is because all the champions were there at Crow Fair. Uh-huh. I think it was mm. back in 89 or 88, okay. 89. Uh, Damon Brady, another champion, was having a big men's, men's fancy special. He was giving away some eagle bustles and like wow. $5,000. It was crazy. Wow. Um, he was adopted by the Crows there. And okay. so his Crow family and the Hadatsa, Mandan Hadatsa family, they all put their money together. And so uh, R.G. Harris was there. 
the McClellan boys were there. Larry Yazzie was there. Uh-huh. Dwight White Buffalo was there. Um, all of them were there. Lukey DeBray was there. Adam Nordwall was there. Philip Caillou Jr. was there. They were all there. Norman Roach was there. Yeah, all Just champions. All champions. And and I I beat most of them, mm. and I was yeah, just breaking yeah. into I was just breaking into adults, and I beat most of them, and it was just like you know, I just went all out. And I was just spinning across the arena, jumping and kicking, and, <laughs> you know, just going for it. And that's how I got my foot in the door, and and uh, just traveled mm-hmm. any chance I get. I got I I traveled United States, Canada, all over the place. You know, of course, uh, with a mentor like Philip Caillou Jr., he showed me some of the tricks of the trade and some of his secrets and uh, and started placing and winning and and never looked back. Um, Been powwowing for over 40 years now. So, you know, powwow and teaching and coaching. Mm. I love those three (laughs) things, you know, along with family, you know. So we we travel, would load up the kids, and we'd take the kids out, and it was just quality family time. You know, the the families that you see that are happy sure. and successful, they just spend a lot of time together. Yes, and you teach them the life lessons, the important things in life. I think with your experience and your knowledge, it's bought the at least the Eastern Shoshone days up to where it was the biggest powwow around you know, with prize money and about a lot of people in, but a lot of that's attributed to you because of your adventures and travels. And, of course, you had good people working with you, like the late Weasel Man. And, Definitely. You know, Waylon and some of those guys that have been around for a while, but it was it's, it turned out to be a real good powwow, which we didn't have this year. Right. It's just a matter of timing. When you get a winning team together, you know that from your, mm-hmm. your championship teams at, at Lander Valley mm-hmm. High School. You know, if you get the right people at the right, right place at the right time with the right resources, mm-hmm. you can have some awesome celebrations, any event, whatever it is, whether it's a rodeo or a powwow or, you know, a talent show, anything. You get the right people in there, you know, and, and like you say, Waylon Large, he was a crafty veteran. I think he served over 20 years on the yes. Eastern Shoshone Entertainment Committee. So he could push the paperwork. He can make things happen. Yes. And, of course, Weasel, he's just, you know, he knew everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he he talked to everybody. He Everybody was his friend. And both of those guys, I, I convinced both of them, you know, I said, hey, we can have the best powwow in the country. Or on the planet. Yeah. And I said, this is what we need to do. They they shared my vision, and they bought into it. And we just let people know. And we brought in some some new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some things that have never been done, mm-hmm. you know, in the Pow Arena, um, with some singing competitions and with some dancing competitions. Uh, we, tra- we challenged everyone on the committee to put up a, a special, a dance contest or a singing contest. And so the committee was making these sacrifices. Yes. And that's something that's longstanding with our, with our culture and with our people. Creator looks upon you in a good way when you make sacrifices. He sees your kindness. He sees your love and your compassion and your generosity, mm-hmm. your hard work. When you sacrifice for the people, he's going to make things happen. Yes. And that's what I want our people to understand. If we do the things that... Dhamma Appa, Heavenly Father, Creator wants us to do. We have His power, yep. and there is no greater power. 
There is no greater power mm-hmm. in the universe than that power. Yes. And that you know, goes back to the Sundance, something we just did a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how I was going to be able to pull that off. Yeah. You know, cause my brother come down very sick, and he had done everything almost. And his son mm-hmm. broke his foot. My brother and, and his son did yes. all that legwork. And here I am going back to work. You know, this is back to school. It's a distance learning, but we still had to get all our plans together. Sure. We had to put all this stuff together, and my brother wants me to take over and, and start working things mm-hmm. with the Sundance. Cause I, I had no idea how I was going to do it. All I knew was it had to be done. Sure. Because in this epidemic, mm-hmm. or in this endemic, you know, in, in this hard time, you know, we have people hurting. Mm-hmm. We have people suffering. We have people losing family members. If if there was ever a time in the history of our people sure. that we needed that that powerful medicine, that ceremony, it's now. So I said, you know, this thing, this has to go on. This yeah. is our calling. This is our sacred duty to bring this to the people. Yes. We could have said, no, the leader, the mm-hmm. Sundance chief, James is sick. You know, he, he can't do it. He hadn't eaten for six days. Mm-hmm. And then he goes in the big lodge. You know, what kind of faith is that? Mm-hmm. That's some powerful faith. faith if you believe, things will happen in a good way. And that's the way it's always been with our ceremonies. That's why we're still here today. Because we have that power. It comes from above. So, for those 40 years of you attending powwows, have you always been a fancy feather dancer? Right from the start. Okay. I was always a fancy dancer. Yeah. You know, I when I was a kid, Fort Washke was, you know, it's come and gone. It's It's had its peaks and valleys, Eastern Shoshone Indian days, but it is one of the oldest celebrations. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and it, it was one of the top celebrations at the time, you know, when I was a kid. You know, they were huge. So you remember, you know, and we didn't have grass and we didn't have asphalt. So it was dusty. dusty. <laughs> <laughs> and when it rained, it was a mud hole. <laughs> but those are some memorable times. And I would I would watch the older guys and they had the coolest outfits mm-hmm. and they were the best athletes. And they would kick up the dust and the people would clap the loudest mm-hmm. for the fancy feather dancers. I'm going to be one of those guys. Mm. So I was like, yeah, yes. I'm going to be a fancy feather dancer. And uh, my mom and dad, you know, bless their hearts. They tried their best, but they weren't real into it, you know. Yeah. So mm. I, at first I didn't have the coolest stuff, mm. you know. But I but I loved it. Yeah, I went out there and I did my best, you know. Something my mom saw from way back was she saw those old traditional dancers the old war dancers is what they called them back in the 60s yes. and 70s. And they wore tights. And she said, you're going to wear tights because that's the way it was done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but none of my friends were wearing tights. <laughs> I was like, why do I have to wear tights? <laughs> yeah, it'll look good. It'll match your outfit. So like my colors were like red and, mm-hmm. and white and blue. And she put me in some blue tights. <laughs> you know, nowadays it's not such a big deal. Yeah. But in the in the 70s, nobody <laughs> wore tights. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> but I did because my mom said it was going to be the coolest yeah. thing, you know. Mm. And so we had our humble beginnings, but everybody does, you know. You got to start somewhere, yes. whether it's basketball or wrestling or football. You start out awkward and inexperienced, mm-hmm. but you learn with time, you know. And, and the great ones, they always have that. They always keep that shred of humility in their hearts and they remember their humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. I think that's important because some people just get too good. It's <laughs> yeah. too good for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then that's no fun. You know, mm-hmm. they get a bad attitude yes. and then there's a different spirit about that. You know, if you if you do things in a good way, you have a good spirit about it. And it's it's powerful and it's welcoming. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we want for our people. <clears throat> yeah. And. All this talk about Eastern Shoshone Indian Day powwow, that's one of my favorite powwows too. And I actually have a wild story. Um, it was probably like my senior year of high school, I think. Um, actually, it was after I graduated high school and I had been gone for a whole year away from home. And I came back that summer and Eastern Shoshone Indian Day powwow was the same weekend as the Nobby basketball tournament. Uh-oh. Which is one of the biggest <laughs> serious which is one, yeah, which is one of the biggest native basketball tournaments out there, the biggest actually. And I had a chance to go play in Navi with everything paid for. I don't have to I just had to bring my shoes and I was good. But I was like, no, I want to go to Eastern to show me any day. But I I had been gone for like a year. And I hadn't been to any powwows, and I was like, no, I want to go to a powwow. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I see you in a different light now. <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. That I was, was a big the conflict. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't really a hard decision either for some reason. Oh, I man. Just, I was just like, no, I want to go to the... It's so powerful. Yeah. It's good medicine, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Just mm-hmm. a great feeling to celebrate with your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what has it meant for you to be a... Uh, Feather, fancy feather dancer. And what is the history? Because, you know, all the dances have histories behind them. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the uh, the funny thing, the ironic thing about this fancy feather dance, they say it has its origin among the non-natives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they say that this dance originated with Buffalo Bill and his oh, Wild yeah. West show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they say that he talked to his traditional dancers. Mm. And he said, you know, we like what you're doing, but... The people aren't really getting all that excited. Mm. I want them to get excited. Let's make a new dance. Let's add more feathers and brighter colors. And let me go talk to the singers and see what we can do. So he talked to the singers and said, we're going to do a new dance. And we want you to sing louder. And we want that drum beat to be faster. And these guys are going to do some flips and cartwheels and the crowd's going to go crazy. And they called it the crazy dance, the fancy dance. That's how they say it started. Others will pay, others, you know, most people will tell you that's a bunch of nonsense. You know, something so awesome as the fancy feather dance could never be invented by a crazy white guy like <laughs> yeah, Buffalo, Buffalo Bill Cody. <laughs> they say that the dance simply originated on the southern plains of Oklahoma mm. among the Ponca tribe. And uh, there's been some Ponca champions down there in Oklahoma. And uh, I haven't been there myself. To me, I like it up here where it's you know nice and yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> I hear I hear horror stories of how hot and wet yeah, and sticky and it humid is. it is down mm. there. It just never appealed to me. But just to say I've been, I think I'm gonna go. Mm. <laughs> I think I'll go. <laughs> but to me, there's nothing like it. 
to be a fancy feather dancer. Just the adrenaline rush. Mm. And that's the only style that has no rules, you know? It's anything goes. It's a contemporary style. It's a freestyle. So, you you know, you can ad-lib. You can do your own moves, your own maneuvers. You can do just about anything, you know. But there are basic rules. You want to stay on beat. Mm. You know, people, my buddy gives me a hard time because he says I dance off beat. I tell <laughs> him, well, my great-great-great-grandmother, Chief Washke's wife, was a crow. And the crows dance off beat, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I always give my crow buddies a hard time. Why you guys dance off beat? <laughs> but to me, there's just nothing else like being a fancy feather dancer, you know. And and it's really helped other aspects of my life, sure. uh, where I've been an ambassador and I can share my culture. Mm -hmm. um, that same buddy that gives me a hard time about dancing off beat, his name's Larry Yazi of Native Pride Productions. He travels the world and shares this beautiful culture with his songs and his dances. Mm -hmm. And um, he's a fancy feather dancer. And, uh, yeah, he's the one that tells me I'm offbeat. <laughs> but we, um, we've gone the rounds, you know, just, just friendly competition. Sure. He invited me out to be in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York yes. City. Oh, wow. Uh, what, a, what a phenomenal experience. Yes. And then he's invited me to perform down in Las Vegas. So, you know, it's helped other aspects of my sure. life where I've just been able to get out and do things that I wouldn't have the chance to do otherwise. Yeah. And it's also um, helped me. Well, people recognize me because I've been doing it for so long. And so I've been invited to celebrations to be the arena director or sure. the head judge or even to be the master of ceremonies, mm. to be the announcer. Mm. And so it's helped me that way to break out of my shell, to be more outgoing and to be a speaker. Yes. And, uh, and probably... You know, two other aspects that it's really helped me in my life. Um, as a fancy feather dancer, it's the most rigorous of all the styles. Uh, sometimes we dance five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten songs straight, and they're up-tempo. Yeah, or the so, Iron Man dance. Yes, or even the Iron Man where we danced. I think I've danced mm -hmm. like 20 or 30 songs straight. You have to be in tip-top shape. Yes, you have exactly. to be in outstanding physical condition. You have to have the stamina the endurance and the strength. And to me, that has helped me maintain a good, healthy lifestyle. Whereas if I wasn't, I don't know where I'd be. You know, I think I'd be a lot heavier, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even though I am getting kind of fat. <laughs> the older you get, you know, the slower your metabolism. Yeah. <laughs> metabolism really slows down and you start packing on the muscle. <laughs> I like to call it muscle. <laughs> but, you know, this has been the summer without power, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the summer without power. It's surreal. It's, uh, there's just no words to really describe it. It's like a flat tire, <laughs> you know, um, because power is just such beauty and such, it's vibrant. It's full of life and yeah. happiness and it's powerful. And when you take that out, it's just like, ah, uh, you know. Yes. You know, it's, it's it's tough to swallow. And um it's been very very challenging. Mm -hmm. And so with all this extra time, I've I've, you know, worked on my outfit. Um I my outfits in tip-top shape. I yes. have two really nice outfits now. Yes. And um and I've spent a lot of time on my yard work, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so just to stay in good shape, 
I uh, bought one of those old school lawnmowers. Without oh, just a, the blades? With just the blades. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just, you just push that thing. Yeah. And my grass has been so thick because it mulches it and then it mm. nourishes it. And my, my grass is so thick, <laughs> you know. Mm. It, it reminds me of uh, coming to America where the guy's cutting his hair. It's like, what do you put in that jungle juice? <laughs> Whatever. Oh, yeah. His hair's all thick and puffy. That's like my lawn, you know, because it, yeah. yeah. it gets the nutrients from the mulched grass. And so it's so thick. And so I have to push that thing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until it cuts through. And so it takes me like five yeah. hours to mow my grass. And yeah. so I put on some some muscle <laughs> and it's helped my stamina sure. and, and my cardio. So that's been good, you know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, some kind of powwow normalcy that mm-hmm. we've been able to maintain is with the performances at the museum yes. of the American West in uh, Lander. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so grateful for Maggie there mm-hmm. and her staff to invite us, you know, even in hard times, even with this, deadly virus yes they said we're gonna do it the people need this mm-hmm. it, it was almost like the sundance it's like yes. the people need this yes. we're gonna do it we're gonna take a chance and so we'd get on the mic and say we're still gonna social distance mm-hmm. you know please try not to interact with other families sure you know if you came in the same car it's no big deal. You can do whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't ride with them, if you don't know them, try to keep your distance. And we had some pretty good crowds, even though we were social distancing and trying to limit the numbers. Sure. I think one one crowd was over 300 spectators. Man, 300. Yeah, wow. It was pretty cool. You know, and there's just the energy there. And um, you, there's also something called the social distance powwow. My good buddy, uh, Whitney Rencounter of Rapid City, South Dakota, is the brainchild and, and pretty much the number one coordinator. There's okay. like three of them that coordinate that. And there's this is the 25th week. Can you believe that? Wow. We've been doing this yeah. nonsense for 25 wow. weeks. <laughs> They've been canceling powwows for 25 weeks. And so they're having a big celebration. There's actually a men's fancy dance competition this weekend on the social distance powwow. Okay. But the, what, what happens is the dancers choose their music or they're assigned a certain song. And so they have to look it up, you know, whether it's on a digital format or whether it's a CD, they can play it on their boom box and then they perform and they record it on video and then they, they upload the video to, to Facebook huh. and then they, the family will judge it. Or the, all the people on Facebook will okay. like the most most likes sometimes wins, or the family will judge the competition. Okay. But the aspect, the key component that we had at the museum that they do not have on the social distance powwow is the connection between the singers and the dancers. Mm. And we know that that drum has a powerful spirit. And when those singers honor that drum, when that drum keeper takes that sacred duty in a good way, in a serious way, and offers that tobacco and offers his prayers, mm-hmm. that spirit is so powerful. And it can move you. It can bless you. It can give great strength mm-hmm. to the people. And so that was something that we did have at the Museum of the American West 
So I would like to thank those singers. Yeah. Um, they were the Eagle Spirit singers because we are the Eagle Spirit dancers. Mm. But uh, it was Ethan Fighting Bear and, and okay. uh, the Fighting Bear brothers and uh, those guys. They, okay. they brought it every every week, every week, every week. Really, Powerful really songs. good singers. Yeah, they're yeah. they're magnificent. Yeah. So we were we were so grateful, so humbled to have their services, to have their prayers, to have them bring that drum. What are some of your favorite powwows to hit to? Oh man, there's just so many awesome powwows out there, um, and and something interesting with every powwow, it goes through different changes. Mm-hmm. It has its peaks and valleys, like I mentioned before. Sure. You know, like Eastern Shoshone days, you know, at its peak um, was about, I think, 2010, 2011, 2012. We had the number one outdoor powwow in the country. Over a thousand dancers. Wow. It was just phenomenal. We had over a hundred thousand dollars in prize money. It was, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And so at the peak of our powwow, you know, some people liked that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, and other people were like, I like it the old way, you know. I like the grassroots feel. I like the yes. smaller feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it just got too big. You know, we couldn't keep up with the trash. You know, we couldn't keep up with the porta potties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's things that people don't think about. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of hard work to run a powwow, and so different powwows have their season, and they have their prime time. And so when you ask me, what's my favorite powwow? Well, Skamitsin was known as the world championships back in the day. I think they, they had their heyday in the early 90s. It was the largest powwow. It was the first million-dollar powwow. Man. And uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, the buffet, they, they fed us prime rib and shrimp and mm. steak yeah. <laughs> in, their, in their chow line. You know, mm-hmm. in their buffet, um, they would put up, they would, they invited the top drums mm-hmm. from all over the country, paid for their airline, paid for their motels. Wow. I mean, they were, of course, they were making, what were they making? Over $10 million a day oh. in their casinos. That's because that's, you know, Hartford is right in the middle of, you know, Boston, New York City, and, and Atlantic City. They mm-hmm. call it the, the, the trifecta. Over, what is there, like uh, over close to 50 million people in that urban area. And then, of course, all those airports and all these people flying in from sure. Europe and flying in from Japan, these high rollers to gamble. Mm. You know, it was the number one casino in the world at the time. Wow. And so they had all kinds of money. And it was just phenomenal. They paid the top 10 and they would have the, the spotlight dance of champions. And luckily for me, I made it into that one year. Yes. It was pretty cool. And then, of course, they then they had to move it to the hockey arena over in Hartford, which was was, was pretty nice anyway, too, because the motel was hooked onto the the mall, a shopping mall, and the okay. mall had the event center. It was all under one roof. It was so cool. Mm. You just fly into the airport, catch the shuttle, and go there, and you're there all weekend. You're set. You know, whereas before, yeah. when you're going out to the other place, I had to – catch a limo i caught a taxi i rode a bus i rode a train i finally got there and i wasn't sure i was gonna be able to dance because <laughs> i was so wore out you know my outfit weighed like 
50 pounds, mm. you know, I was dragging that suitcase uh. around and my handle broke and it was a nightmare. <laughs> I lost my credit card. Oh, oh man. But it, that was in its heyday. Skamitsin was so awesome. Um, Crow Fair has had its, yes. had its years where it was just phenomenal with good singing, good prize money, good specials. Um, Jalayamsh, the largest powwow in the Northwest. That's the, uh, the, the Coeur d'Alene celebration. Okay. What an awesome celebration. They used to have it at Greyhound Park. It used to be a Greyhound track. Mm -hmm. It was dirt, and then they filled it all in with grass, and they put up teepees. You could go inside where it's air-conditioned. Outside, oh, it's man. like 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. You can go into the air conditioning, and you could watch the powwow on. They had like a 100 monitors where you could sit at a table Order your food and watch the powwow on a monitor huh. in the air-conditioned wow. atmosphere. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Now they have it at the fairgrounds. It's still a nice powwow, but it's huh. not the same. Mm. And I think they're going to move it down to their casino on the reservation, okay. just outside of Plummer, I believe. Like you said, um, casinos kind of changed the – in the casinos back to 88 to now, it's kind of changed the flavor of – like you said, big powwows, big money. You know, like you said, they fly people in. And, you know, that was a big game changer, too. Oh, money talks. Money yeah. can pay for the top drums, and money can bring in the top dancers. Yes, yes. And there's, but there's a different feel to those kind of powwows. You know, you could say there's two kinds of powwows. There's casino powwows, and there's the grassroots powwows, the old yes. school. I like both. Some dancers will only go to casino powwows yes. because it's, it's plush. It's nice. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go down to um, Indio, mm -hmm. you know, Indio, California. You drive in there. It's a beautiful casino. They have waterfalls and mm -hmm. you go down. Uh, you check into the motel and you just go downstairs to the powwow. It's oh. beautiful. It's nice. It's plush. It's comfortable, mm. you know, or you can go to Pine Ridge. Yes. South Dakota, that's grassroots, you know, that's a hardcore old school powwow, you know, and I like to go to both. It's, yes. it's fun to me. I love Pine Ridge. They've treated me very well. You ask me my favorite powwow, Pine Ridge, every single year I've been there, they treated, uh, they roll out the red carpet, they treat me like royalty. I'd like to thank uh, Chris Eaglehawk and his family for always mm. being there and welcoming me there. There's some really awesome people there in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Um, right over the hill, you know, our family is Fort Hall. Yes. It's Shoshone Bannock Celebration, uh, the festival, they call it. One of my favorite powwows. Uh, just uh, Denver March has treated me well. I've, I love Denver March, um, the Black Hills Celebration in, in uh. South Dakota. A lot of good celebrations. Uh, Morong Morongo is is known for having the most categories over 90 categories 90 wow there's like 12 different women's traditional categories they'll have the northern cloth Jeez. the northern stationery, the northern walkabout they have all yeah. these subcategories wow and it draws a good crowd because everybody figures i got a good chance um the northern youth celebration in fort Duchesne. sure awesome celebration and one another one of my favorites. They've mm -hmm. treated me so well down there. You bet. There's just so many good powwows. It's mm -hmm. hard to pick one. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard to pick just one powwow. And there's some powwows I still want to go to. 
um, Cam Loops. They call it Cam Lupa, and it's up there in uh, just north of Vancouver, okay. in British Columbia. It's one of the premier Canadian powwows. I'd like to. That's on my bucket list. Okay. But there again, I don't, I don't really like the heat. And yeah. they say that cool breeze comes off the coast and it just turns into like a sweat lodge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tough it out just to <laughs> say I've been there. Yeah. And there's been some whack powwows too, some busts. Mm. <laughs> One time they, they announced, they advertised this um, million dollar powwow mm-hmm. in Vancouver. That's what reminded me of this mm. Kamloopa. Uh, Vancouver was supposed to have the first million dollar powwow. So I load up all my kids and my wife and we drive for 20 some hours. (laughs) And I don't know if you've been to Vancouver, but it's like Gotham City at night. (laughs) Helicopters and ambulances (laughs) and cops. And we we must have went through the wrong part of town because it was scary. (laughs) We finally get to this community center. And everybody's leaving. And we were just getting there. Like, what's going on? It was like 6, 6.30. It's like, we still have 30 minutes to put on our outfits. We can make grand entry. Mm. And they said the powwow was canceled. Went all that way. Oh, man. Went all that way. 20-some hours for a million-dollar powwow, and there's no money. So everybody's loading up and pulling out. Um, We just start talking to people. Okay, so where can we go? Is there another powwow close by? A lot of people were heading up to Squilax. So we took off for Squilax, and we didn't know where we were going. We got lost at least five times. <laughs> By the time we got there, they were going into Grand Entry the next evening. That's mm. how long it took us to get oh, there. Man. <laughs> it was crazy. And the showers were ice cold. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, that's um, interesting. Like you said, all that activity that you've seen during that, in a year or a summer or a season, just came to a stop this this oh, year. Oh man! You know, like you said, you your relations, you see your brothers, and you're from other tribes at different powwows, and you connect with them. And I'll oh, see yeah. you down the road here at somewhere, and that's probably the first time in at least powwow history that it's ever happened. It's never happened before. Yes. Where all the powwows throughout any country have come to a sudden halt. Yes. You know, I, I have a lot of, you, know, you call it powwow family. Mm-hmm. Powwow brothers, sisters, uncles, yes. grandmas and grandpas. You know, we didn't get to see them. You know, it's 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 leaves a, a empty spot in your heart. You know, another grand celebration is the Mandan, you know, over there, Mandaree celebration. Man, what an awesome celebration. Man. Probably the, the top celebration. I What they put up, $50,000 for a women's jingle special, wow. $50,000, <laughs> you know, and then they had, they had over 100000 for their singing competition, mm-hmm. you know, which is phenomenal. And there again, some really good people yes. really treated me well. Uh, Donovan Abbey works on that committee, and he's done a phenomenal job. You know, wherever you have a great celebration, you have people making sacrifices. Oh, yes. So I, I'm appreciative to, and you, you don't really understand that until you serve on a powwow committee. You gain a new appreciation. Yes. So for all the powwow committees throughout any country, I thank you for your sacrifices, yes. for your hard work. You know, pe- singers and dancers, they just come in. 
you celebrate two or three days and then you move on to the next mm, one. Yeah. You know, you don't think about all the planning and all the hard work yes. that goes 12 months of the year when it's over and then you got to clean it all up. You got to turn in your reports to <laughs> yeah. the business officers, you know, and you got to start planning and putting your budget together again. Mm. It's just nonstop. And for some of these guys, like, you know, Waylon Large, mm -hmm. who's done this for over 20 years. Yes. That's yes. phenomenal. Those guys really deserve a, a pat on the back, you know, a gold star for all their hard work. Well, you know, it's uh, really good to have you here today, George. And, uh, you know, we got a nothing but respect and honor for you for what you not only do um, on the day-to-day -day stuff when you're teaching and coaching and, also the powwow, but you're also a real good inspiration for a lot of people on our reservation and our communities. And to me, for being an older guy, um, you, you really project a good positive spirit that's about helping people. And I think the secret to life is not a secret at all. It's just about how you help others. You know, I think that's our, our roadmap. But uh, what kind of inspiration or words would you have for younger tribal members that are interested in the powwow circuit? And I don't think, um, I wonder really going to spirituality, but what, I know you talked about what led you here, and you've been successful in that um, area. We've all stumbled and fall many times, but what kind of advice would you give those younger people? Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate that. When you talk about spirituality and you talk about good words and you talk about inspiration and you talk about wisdom, yes, those things are inseparable. Yes, you know. And at Fort Washakie School, we call them the core values, sure, the core beliefs. And uh, Lynette Saint Clair did a fine job in in going out and interviewing our elders and, and asking them, you know, what is most important? What do our kids need to know? Sure. And, um, and that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And you said not to get spiritual. And that I think cause that's a common mistake that, that we make and, um, nothing against Lynette, you know, but it is a school. Mm -hmm. And so I think, she was afraid to put that down as one of our core values. Sure. But to me, it's number one, spirituality. Every day, yes. Spirituality. And we mentioned it earlier in this program. The greatest power in the universe comes from Dhamma Appa, mm -hmm. comes from Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And so if there was one thing that I would encourage our young people to do is to learn how to pray. And that's what my mother taught me. Yes. That was the most important thing she taught me. At a very, very early age, she taught me how to pray. And if our young people know how to pray, they can do anything. Yes. They can go through any trial. That's true. They can go through any hardship. They can go through any adversity when you have his power. And something I want our young people to know is that power is greatest when you're on the red road. And that was something that I talked to our young people about right before the Sundance. Yes. Because we can't put up a Sundance without our young people, without our youth, you know, digging those, those holes for those poles, 
cutting down those trees, you know, they're, they're, we need their physical strength. So before we do creator's work, we burn that cedar and we pray. And when we burn that cedar and we pray, we cleanse ourselves. We cleanse our spirit. We cleanse our minds and our physical bodies so that his power, we know he's clean. Sure. We know he's pure. When we are clean and when we are pure, we have that power. Yes. And that's what I want for our young people. And even though I'm a teacher and a coach, mm-hmm. and even though this is a public school, that is one important lesson that I always share with my young people, with my students and with my athletes, my yes. scholar athletes. Mm. Have that power. Yes. Be clean and be pure so Dama'apa will be with you Mm -hmm. because our warriors, that's what they did. Prior to a battle, prior to a hunt, they had ceremony. They would have their paint ceremony. They would smudge. They would have that cedar to cleanse themselves. When we're clean, our mind is clean. We can see clearly. We can think clearly. The power of thought, the power of knowledge, that is with us. The power of our words, the power of our prayers, the power of our songs, it's all extremely powerful coming from Creator when we're clean. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I always tell the young people. You will win in life. If you make good choices for yourself, you stay clean. Stay clean and work hard. And And pray. And and pray, and you're going to have the greatest blessings. You'll have happiness. It won't be easy. It's not supposed to be easy Mm -mm. because we learn and we grow and we we become more powerful through hard times, through adversity, Mm -hmm. through challenge. So we want to see them rise to the occasion, Mm -hmm. step up to the challenge with a clean heart and a clear mind and those powerful prayers and ceremony. Yes. Thank you. That's a, a wonderful note to end on, and uh, what a wonderful show. And we appreciate you being here, sharing your story, George. You know, it's um, a powerful one. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for all of that history as well, because I've learned some things today that I didn't know about today. So thank thank you. you for inviting me. It's always a privilege and an honor. Yes. Like I say, when the old, one, the old ones tell you, you, know, you, you have anything. You have any God gift, whether it's speaking, singing, dancing, share it with the people. Mm-hmm. When, that, when they ask you to share it, go and share it with a prayer in your heart so that mm-hmm. you can share it. You're going to have that good medicine, that happy feeling. That's what we want for our people. That's what we need for our people. So thank you for this opportunity. Oh, yeah. And we, you'll be back, I know. So. Oh, yeah. But who we who? Yep, Bobby. Oos, thank you. Mm-hmm. I want to say thank you to every single listener for sticking with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. So many good things. I want to encourage each and every one of you to subscribe to our shows and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram. Just search up Indian Relay Podcast. And you can interact with there. You can message us through those media platforms and get in contact with, contact with us that way. I want to say thank you again to County 10, to Porters, and to the sponsors of today's show. 
And I want to spend send a special thank you to you, our listener. We appreciate each and every single one of you. And with that, I want to say what hey and ha ho. This is Cody Beers with the Wyoming Department of Transportation. YDAT is proud to help bring you the Indian Relay podcast and to partner with the Eastern Shoshone and Northern Arapaho tribes. Our goal is to keep people safe on our local highways. Did you know that Wyoming has averaged 1,100 alcohol-involved crashes annually in each of the last 10 years? and that more than 50 people die every year as a result of drunk driving. We can do better. We must. Celebrate life. Drive sober. 105.1 Jack FM introduces the newest way to wake up in Fremont County. Catch County 10's Morning Show with Jared Anderson every weekday from 6 to 9 a.m. Same great mix of music, brand new local content, news, sports, weather, and fun. Everything you need to start your day in beautiful central Wyoming. Call in to the voicemail line to interact. 240-9924. County 10's Morning Show. Weekdays 6 to 9 on Jack FM.